2: The Planet Football Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football, with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter promo code PLANET at FANDUEL.com for a bonus match of up to $200. We're also sponsored by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal, pay for your ticket, and get to your seat. Download the SeatGeek app and enter our code PLANET for $20 off your first tickets.
3: There are a few things that happen in sports that you recognize instantly. This is truly historic. The the quickest anyone has ever scored five goals in a game in the history of the top four European leagues, a history that goes back a long, long time.
0: That exhilaration that Grant talked about Just watching the five goal clips separate, I mean, there's still goals in isolation. I think you've got to probably watch all 10 minutes and really get a sense of of, uh, the gravity of what he accomplished.
2: Welcome to SI's Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor, Avi Creditor, joined today by SI senior writer, Grant Wall, and SI.com's Brian Strauss. Guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. Good to be here. Brian, how are you?
0: I'm surviving the Pope's visit.
2: Yeah, well, we're we're about to get it. Uh, when's he coming? Friday,
3: Saturday? He's coming today, man. So we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, he's coming right by the near the SI offices here in Midtown. We um, should have had him on the show. Big San Lorenzo fan. Uh, I saw my first Argentine league game at San Lorenzo at the Nuevo Gassometro, Um back in uh, the mid '90s. Wouldn't be surprised if the you know Pope when he was not a Pope, before he was Pope, might have gone to that game.
2: Wow. So our sources are saying that Grant and the Pope have seen a game together. It's... I'm going with that. Sure. Blessed. Uh, a little bit later in the show, we are going to talk about Robert Lewandowski going absolutely bananas, uh, and then a couple of uh, interesting topics in in the world soccer landscape. Michelle Platini saying some interesting things and and a potential new competition coming to CONCACAF and common bowl as if there there wasn't enough uh enough drama surrounding the one that they're trying to get off the ground uh next summer um but before we get to that we have a pretty cool interview to share with you grant had the chance to talk to Bayern munich's shabby alonzo uh very cool interview very cool guy uh one of the more interesting players uh, across the soccer landscape if you don't know um and if you don't know you're about to so here is
3: that interview We have our first Men's World Cup winner to join us on the podcast today. He is Xabi Alonso of Bayern Munich, uh, formerly of the Spanish national team. Uh, One of my favorite interviews in all the world. Thanks for joining us today, Xabi.
1: Hello, good morning, Grant. How are you?
3: Doing well. Uh, Let's dive right in here. Uh, From a results perspective, Bayern Munich is off to a good start uh, this season, you're perfect in the Bundesliga. You won your first Champions League game at Olympiacos Your fans have high expectations. Uh, what are your thoughts on how Bayern has started this season?
1: No, of course we are delighted. Uh, the first official game, the Super Cup, we couldn't we couldn't win it, and it was kind of setback. But you know, uh, we needed to bounce back. And as you have said, in the league, we, in the Bundesliga, we have started pretty well. We knew all the games so far and in the Champions League as well. That's our our duty. We have to try to win all the games because we know that at this stage you don't win the tournaments, but you can lose them because of that. Uh, we are in a good round, but we, it's just early days.
3: Bayern Munich has won the last three Bundesliga titles by 10 points, 19 points, and 25 points. Is there any reason to think this season the race might be a little closer?
1: Uh, so far, there is a reason, and that reason is uh, that Dortmund they are looking really good, were as well they are they continue being strong. So I think that probably this year the the gap between the champion and the second one will be that won't be that that uh, that big. But uh, as far as we are the one at top, uh, it doesn't matter how far how big is the gap. We want to be champion. We know that. It's a very demanding season for us because we are competing in all the in a uh, Pokal, uh, Bundesliga, and Champions League. We have to be ready for all of them. But but so far it's good that for the for the Bundesliga that there are good teams and this season, uh, especially uh, Dortmund, they are gonna be a tough tough one to beat.
3: You've had a remarkable career, obviously. It, uh, just looking at where you've been at your clubs, your hometown club, Real Sociedad. Uh, Liverpool, um, one of the classic clubs in world soccer where you won the Champions League. Real Madrid, uh, which is Real Madrid, it goes without saying. And and now Bayern Munich. I wanted to ask you about your role at Bayern Munich under Pep Guardiola. Has your role changed in any way from what it was at Real Madrid?
1: Well... (laughs) Yeah, because it's, it's another club. It's another way that we train. And, you know, it, it hasn't changed. Well, I wouldn't say that it has changed, but it has updated and, and is richer my uh, football knowledge for the last, for the last uh, 12, 13 months. I think that I have uh, learned lots of things. I have improved. I have been uh, able to th- to test myself. If I was able to to adapt and to to get used to another league, to another big club as as Bayern, and it's been a big big challenge, uh, and this um, this next season that is coming as well, it's it's a, it's a big one for for me for myself. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but but for sure this this season is going to be really exciting for me.
3: You played as a sweeper in a three-man back line recently for Bayern, and I know you might have done that on one or two other occasions, right?
1: Yeah, well, as, as a starter, uh, first time, actually. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't really a sweeper. It was like a, uh, I, I had to be flexible and to be able to read the game and in which moment I, w- I had to be a center defensive midfielder or sometimes I had to to take uh, 10 meters back and to be a, a center back or a sweeper because that it was a circumstantial game when we, we, we didn't have many center backs. And so far, it worked uh, quite well. And I was happy, and the manager was happy, and everyone was happy with the, with the team performance and with my performance there.
3: How did Guardiola bring up the idea with you to, to play that position? What did he ask of you?
1: Well, uh, mainly he asked that I had to be... I had to be the one that I had to take the decisions on the pitch mm-hmm. to know when I had to... To take a step forward or a step uh, backwards. Uh, there was a moment when the ball was in one position that I was uh, taking the my my side was in front of me, and sometimes it had to be behind me because of that. It was uh, one of those games where you have to be more concentrated when you are playing in, in different positions in, in one game. But I felt quite well, and, and I felt that I, I I had a good understanding of what was happening and what. I had to win in each moment. So it was another experience, but I enjoyed it.
3: I'm amazed that somebody like you who's been in world football for so long talks about continuing to learn, because I always viewed you as one of the the more intelligent players on the field. Uh, what does that say, that you can always well, be, be learning?
1: Well... I, I I have always liked football and watching football and thinking about football and talking about football, and and so far, uh, after being lots of years playing playing uh, in top teams as uh, hometown as uh, Liverpool, Real Madrid, coming here it it's been like a, like I have had to open my mind and to to see different things, different approaches, different uh, uh, understanding or different systems, and how to be flexible in one game and and that's what uh, keeps me motivated because i think that there is always room for improvement and and so far that's that's what i want in my in my career in my and in my football and in my in my uh, knowledge about the game
3: you've played for some tremendous managers uh, five i think who've won the champions league i was wondering if it would be possible for me to to name them and Ask you for their, sort of their defining qualities in your mind. Is that possible?
1: Well, it's uh, it's difficult. difficult because each one is, it's uh, as you as you've said. Uh, I have been lucky enough to to be with big game big names of the of the last uh, decades in in football as uh, Guardiola, Mourinho, Del Bosque, Ancelotti, Pellegrini, Luis Aragonés. Uh, Rafael Núñez. So all of them, they have their own way to to work. Uh, some of them, they they work more on on uh, the psychological side or in the team spirit, uh, giving more responsibility to the players. Another ones, they they like to be very methodic, very am- analytic, always paying uh, de- uh, attention to the detail. So so far, uh, with all the the contact I have with with all of them, you know. Do you think oh, he's been he's been good uh, at this. Uh, he, the other one is is good at this. So, and picking uh, different qualities from each one, I think that uh, I have uh, a pretty clear clear idea of of what would I like if I would be a, a manager in the future.
3: I, I guess the question.
1: But, it, but it's difficult to name. Oh. Uh, Mourinho he's great on psychological side or guardiola is tactical or De bosque he's a great man management. Each one they have their own strengths I would say.
3: Yeah. And you wanna be a manager, correct?
1: I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I know it's it's difficult it's difficult, it's difficult to job because you know to deal with twenty five players and to try to keep them always in, in the best mood and to get the best from everyone is it, is difficult. Uh you know uh, Maybe, for sure. I will. At some stage, I, I will try. I would say that. that but I, I, I don't know for sure. But first, I, I need to finish my career, and after, <laughs> in some years, maybe I will try. You
3: once said in an interview, I don't think tackling is a quality, uh, like a quality to aspire to. What did you mean by that?
1: Well, I mean that for me, during the game, to be a good tracker, or to have that quality, it's, it's it's not something that you need to aspire to. To be one of your main qualities, to be able to play good football, it's it's a good. Uh, it's difficult to explain <laughs> because sometimes it's it's not it's misunderstood. Mm-hmm. But I I mean that uh, it's like a resource, like the last resort when you are not in a good position and at the end you need to to tackle. That's where, where you get at the end. Mm-hmm. But if you have understood the game and you are in the right position, maybe you don't need to tackle to get the ball. Mm-hmm. So maybe you you can avoid the tackle before before that happens. I, I don't know if I explain myself I think what, you, I, what I mean, but, you know. I think you do, I actually. I, I, I do a lot of tackles, but I prefer to get the ball in a better condition without the tackling of course.
3: Is it somehow related to, I remember Paolo Maldini would always say that if you are in good position, you wouldn't need to go to ground very often.
1: Yeah, that's, so, something like that, something like that. If, if you are on the ground too much time, you know, at some stage you need to, you need to tackle because if not, you don't get the ball. But if you spend too much time on the ground, Probably something is wrong. Something is wrong with with, with your position on the pitch.
3: Gotcha. We talk in the United States of our national team here trying to keep its good qualities, the hard work, the toughness, never giving up, while trying to become better at possessing the ball against top teams. The Spanish national team seems to have an identity. Uh, The U.S. national team is trying to find its identity to... To maybe over the years get a new one—is that possible to do, and how long will it take to get there?
1: Well, I think that the youth team is getting better and better. You know, uh, you could see in the last friendlies they have beaten uh Germany, the current world champion. Of course, we know it's friendly, but mm-hmm. I, it takes it takes time because it's uh, it's uh, for the young players. They need to. To believe in that identity, the coaches, they need to, to be really patient and working on what they want. If they want a team that uh, they want to have the control of, they are more a counter-attacking team attacking team. To build that spirit and to build that idea, it takes some time. I don't know how long, because it depends on the players that you have. But uh, yeah. for me, uh, in, in the States, you know, I, I have that feeling that for the last decades, uh, they are doing things pretty well, and better and better players are are coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and hopefully, in the, in the near future, they will they will be competing for the big things.
3: <laughs> okay, uh, just a couple more questions here. Appreciate you taking so much time. Um, some of your old teammates, like Steven Gerrard with Liverpool, like David Villa with Spain, they have come to Major League Soccer. Uh, this year, have you had a chance to watch their MLS games much this year on Eurosport? Do you have any thoughts about the league?
1: I, I haven't. I haven't been able to watch many games because here in in uh, I, I I couldn't I couldn't watch them. But I have been talking with, with Stevie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he tells me that you know for him it's been a, another experience. But he's not relaxed, you know he tells me that he's really professional and the level is is good enough' is very good mm-hmm. and he's enjoying it so far, so uh, for for sure that not just for me, for many players, it could be like a another option in the, in the future, and that uh, it might be something to consider for the future.
3: Well, I, I know your contract with Bayern ends at the end of this season. Uh, you may stay in Europe afterward. Uh, you, you've also expressed some interest in MLS or China. What is it about MLS that intrigues you?
1: Well, uh, it intrigues the, the country. It intrigues the, the the growth that is the the league having. Uh, you know, to bring uh, the the experience that you have, the knowledge, and try to to help a uh, team uh, so that that may be another approach of, of the football that you have had for the last few years in, in here in, in europe but try to 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 adapt and to be able to to bring your what you have learned for for the years but you know at the moment i i, I keep my my mind open as, as always but uh, i'm not thinking about what's gonna happen at the moment. I haven't decided anything.
3: <laughs> um, quick music question, because you have great music taste. You came to Southern California back in 2012 and tweeted, uh, I think it was a Pavement Song uh, video. Um, how would you describe uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your, your taste in, in music these days?
1: <laughs> in music these days? Well, at any moment, you know, I, with the Spotify, I have good friends that they love. I'm not that much into what's what's on the in the last the latest you know, but I keep a track on uh, you know Pavement on the the, or the or Wilco or these these guys that I that I like but you know at at that moment it was the right <laughs> the, the right uh, song to to treat because I was there in California and I have loved Pavement for four years Nice, they' are pretty cool
3: <laughs> lastly uh you look at the history of Champions League and there is only one player, Clarence Saydorf, that has won Champions League titles with three different teams. You have that opportunity, uh, having won the Champions League with Liverpool and Real Madrid. Uh, what would it mean to you to to become the second player to achieve that?
1: Wow! Well, of course it's... That's the big, the big, uh, the big goal of the season uh, for sure. Because uh, to be part of such selective club with just one member, it's it's an honor. And, and and of course, if if I will be able to to get there, it I will be very happy with. I would have never dreamed that my career would be so good, and it would be the perfect, the perfect ending of of my career if I, if I would achieve that that's, it's a big one you know we are competing with the big boys Barcelona Madrid uh, Chelsea Manu all the big ones so we'll see we'll see in May what happens at the end of the season
3: Xabi Alonso thank you as always great to speak to you good luck this season
1: ok thank you all the best
3: take care
2: Hey guys, I want to tell you all about the best new way to find an amazing deal on football tickets or football tickets, the SeatGeek app. And when you use our code PLANET, you'll get $20 off your first ticket buy. The SeatGeek app takes less than a minute to download, and it's free on iPhone and Android smartphones. SeatGeek does a ton of things that other ticketing sites don't, like aggregating from big ticket sites. Just like when you search for flights and hotels online, SeatGeek pulls in ticket options from hundreds of sellers to create a one-stop shop for sports and concert tickets. When you shop on SeatGeek, you're seeing virtually every ticket option available for that game all on one page. No need to go anywhere else. They also have this great feature called Deal Score. It ranks every ticket on the market with a 1 to 100 value score and plots the best deals on a color-coded interactive map of the venue so you can easily identify the best ticket values in the building at a glance. Finally, SeatGeek's mobile app makes the ticket buying process seamless, easy, and safe. On SeatGeek, you can store your credit card, and once you find a ticket you want to buy, you can complete the purchase with just two quick taps. There's no faster way to buy tickets. So to redeem your promo code and save $20 on tickets, download the free SeatGeek app today, enter our promo code PLANET in the app, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase. If you want to go see MLS matches, the NFL, college football, or the best concerts, Use the SeatGeek app and enter our code PLANET to save $20. All right, welcome back. Uh, that was a great interview. Shabby Alonzo, really, uh, really cool guy. Well, I mean, you've, you've talked to him before, You, uh,
3: get, and you've actually you put him on your, your list and, and you're recent
2: mailbag of of one of the best interviews.
3: Number two of my all-time top ten favorite interviews in soccer. Um, Really smart guy in more than one language. Um, Just really seems to think the game. And you heard him talking about how he just loves thinking the game, talking about the game, playing the game. Uh, When Alex Abnos, the producer, and I were talking about this interview right after it happened, we were like, he's good in English. And it's a good interview, but he's still, if in Spanish you think he might be even more interesting talking about what's happening on the field. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, one of the cooler guys in soccer. I've always called him the George Clooney of, of soccer. Uh, would love to see him come over to play an MLS. I think he could bring something to the league. He's just 33 still, I think he's got some time left. Uh, we're so, seeing, he's, so he's got four more years until he signs with NYCFC. Probably so. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're seeing thirty-seven-year-olds like Drogba, you know, doing well uh, in MLS, and you know, so um, yeah, I uh, love the fact that he likes pavement and uh, other has good taste in other movies and and music. Um, I like the way he said Stevie <laughs> in that interview. Uh, well, let's let's go on to one of
2: his teammates. Uh, you talked to him uh, over last weekend before Bayern Munich played against Wolfsburg. They played this week, and Robert Lewandowski went absolutely bananas.
1: Lewandowski's been on the field less than six minutes, and he scored his fifth goal of the season for Bayern Munich.
2: I'm surprised he's had three touches already. He's had the golden touch, and he's. Found-
3: There's Lewandowski. Oh no! Oh my word! That's the best of the bunch.
2: Five goals in nine minutes. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you're probably not going to see anything like it uh, ever again. I don't know. I mean, it it was one of those things uh, that just you you couldn't believe it while it was happening. I kept looking down, I mean, trying to get some some work done, and he kept scoring. it was it was nuts, and it was one after the other after the other. Uh, it was a hat-trick in four minutes, I think, four goals and six, and then the best goal of them all to, to cap a, a five-goal run that completely turned a game on its head. And it's a game of, of two really good teams. I mean, Wolfsburg beat Bayern Munich for the German Super Cup in the Champions League, one of Germany's better teams, and Lewandowski just absolutely took over.
3: We're very quick in today's world, I don't know if it's a social media thing, I don't know what it is, to judge something the best ever, the worst ever, and not really have any sense of history. And so usually when you see someone saying that, it's idiotic and it, it doesn't ring true when you actually look at the history. But one thing I'm struck by, and I think this Lewandowski situation is part of it, is that there are a few things that happen in sports that you recognize instantly, this is truly historic. And you can characterize Lewandowski's output here in different ways. It's the the quickest anyone has ever scored five goals in a game in the history of the top four European leagues, a history that goes back a long, long time. So that's one way of looking at it. But also, I'm, I'm just kind of marveling that as soccer fans in the last couple of years, we've seen... I can count three things now, if you include Lewandowski, that are truly historic, things that you just see and you're like, in real time this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. So Lewandowski's five goals in nine minutes is one. Carly Lloyd scoring three goals in the World Cup final in the first 16 minutes of the game, including from midfield, is another. And Germany, seven, Brazil, one, in the World Cup semifinal is another. And these are three things that, no matter how long we live, I think if, you're going to remember. I mean, you're going to remember where you were when it happened. You're going to remember what you were feeling. And that exhilaration that you get when you see something like this that just defies belief is one of the main reasons we watch sports. You don't even need to be a soccer fan to appreciate these moments. And, you know, I was just minding my own business watching this Wolfsburg-Bayern game, which in the first half was pretty pedestrian. one nothing Wolfsburg, mildly surprising. Wolfsburg might win for the first time ever at Bayern, Lewandowski didn't start. How do you like to be Tiago, by the way, who comes off at halftime for Lewandowski, who then proceeds to do this? Um, Just the idea that when you're watching sports, something amazing can happen at any moment. And this was one of those moments. it It was a pleasure just to witness the whole thing.
2: Yeah, it was it was nuts. Uh, and you talk about Germany, Brazil, Carly Lloyd; those obviously happen on on the World Cup stage. This is you know Bundesliga regular season. Whatever it it doesn't matter. Uh, just just nuts. Um, and the side volley. I you wrote about this in your your mailbag. It, it like dinged off the the audio microphone that was that was on the goal. I love that you phrased it that he literally dropped the mic because he did. It was it was uh, it was nuts. Um, was, I was
0: in the, uh, I was in the car as this was happening, so my timing was terrible, but it was funny <laughs> It was funny watching on Twitter the the people freaking out over the third goal and the people freaking out over the fourth goal like overlapping like they were happening so fast that people couldn 't keep track of their freakouts you know <laughs> So, oh my god it's three and then another tweet, oh my god it 's four followed by a guy still figuring out that he scored three and then on to five and I mean it was uh, it, it was it was mayhem it was um you know, the, the, the thing is, and, and we saw Landon Donovan tweet about this, um, and I agree, having missed it live, I would love to just watch those 10 minutes in, in full. Um, you know, I think that's really what allows you to, to you know, that, that exhilaration that Grant talked about, just watching the five goal clips separate. I mean, they're, they're, they're nice goals, and obviously the fifth one is spectacular, but they're still goals in isolation. I think you've got to probably watch all 10 minutes and really get a sense of, of uh, the gravity of what he accomplished.
3: Can you believe that this is a guy who scored four goals in a Champions League elimination game against Real Madrid, and that's nowhere close to the coolest thing he's done? <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy.
2: <laughs> uh, Brian, you're talking about the the social media meltdown. I, I thought my favorite meltdown was, uh, was Wolfsburg's uh, English account. Uh, just one after the <laughs> other, you could just like, you could see them just being more defeated by each one. It was just like, what the, hu- what, what is happening? What? It was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Uh, well, definitely, like you don't ever know what you're gonna get in uh, in midweek action, especially when it's not Champions League. But this is why you tune in.
3: Well, and also too, I mean, I know I work for Fox, but having the chance to watch the Bundesliga on a regular basis, this is a really good league, and it's nice to be av- that it's available now to a wider audience than it had been in the past on Goal TV. And I also get the sense now. Granted, was Bayern winning five to one, but I do kind of hope that it's going to be a little closer this year. And I, you know, we talked about that with Shabi Alonso. I, I don't think Bayern's going to win the league by twenty-five points this year, or maybe even double digits. Um, maybe they will, but it's it's nice to see. Um, I know Dortmund finally uh, dropped points for the first time, but Dortmund's been playing really good soccer. Wolfsburg is a good team, despite what happened. Note, uh, note no, by the way, it was Dante in in the central defense who was part of the seven-one loss uh, for Brazil to Germany as well. Oh, poor guy. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, wow. Well, yeah, uh, definitely look out on, on Planet Football actually. We'll have a piece on, on Dortmund and, and what's made them so dominant coming from Levy Bird. Um, it kind of breaks down how they've, they've bounced back this year. Um, and I'd also love to get, get all of your thoughts, uh, on Lewandowski's performance. Was this, was this the best thing you've ever seen? Was, was, was Ronaldo's five goal game better? I mean, I don't think so, but, uh, anything Messi's he's ever done is is this better than his performance against real madrid anything uh just let her know, let us know on twitter uh si underscore soccer or you can just leave a comment for us on this episode either on planet football or on our soundcloud page uh we will take another quick break and then come back to wrap things up with some interesting topics happening around the world of soccer Even though all of us here at Planet Football know what the real football is, it seems like everyone is playing fantasy football, like in the NFL. And if you missed out on a preseason draft, FanDuel has you covered. Now you can play with up to $200 in bonus cash with our code PLANET on FanDuel.com. You've probably heard of FanDuel somewhere before, but here's what it's all about. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. They will pay out over $75 million a week this football season. Look, we all love fantasy football, but a lot of fans miss out because the whole season is just too much of a time commitment. FanDuel does away with all of that. You can draft a team anytime and drop into tournaments for weekly cash prizes. Entry fees start at just $1, and there's a league for everyone. Week 3 NFL games are already live in the FanDuel lobby, so you don't have to wait another day to start building your teams. Over 1 million players have won money playing fantasy sports on FanDuel, and now it's your turn. So go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner using the code PLANET and sign up now. There's a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. The offer is only good for the first 50 people that use our code PLANET today, so don't get left out. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L dot com. Try it out today. Alright guys, uh, let's let's finish off with a couple things that have been going on uh, in the soccer world that, that I know you guys have some strong opinions on. We'll close the show with a little bit of fire. I think that brings the best out of all of us. Um, Chicago fire. That, that's... Maybe one of the things that you feel the most passionate about
3: right
0: now. The Chicago Fire certainly bring the best out of their opponents.
2: Uh, that, that that they do. Tough times uh, for the Fire. Uh, obviously, firing Frank Gallup. Uh, Nelson Rodriguez coming in as as their GM. Uh, but let's let's move on to Michel Platini, who is launching his FIFA presidential bid. But he told DAP today something interesting. When again, we're taping this Thursday. Uh, that he might have told the U.S. that he'd vote for them for 2022 before turning around and voting for Qatar.
3: This is great, by the way. And my favorite part isn't that he actually told the U.S. he would vote for the U.S. before he then voted for Qatar, but that he he said today he might have told the U.S. this. (laughs) As in, oh, I'm not sure, but maybe I might have said this. Like... (laughs) Either you did or you didn't, buddy. (laughs) So part of he actually has a little respect for Michel Platini. He's one of the very few people who voted uh, on that day in 2010 for the World Cups in Russia and Qatar who actually has said that I voted for Qatar. And now he's basically saying uh, the head of France's government asked me to vote for Qatar, which if you follow FIFA's rules is an interference of government in Soccer Affairs and should probably cause Platini to be removed from any consideration for whatever. Instead, he's going to pro- likely be the next president of FIFA. Uh, everyone over in Europe tells me that he's the guy who's going to uh, win, that he wouldn't have announced um, his candidacy if he didn't know he would win. So he's gotten the support of people he needs around the world to win this election.
0: No, I was going to say, I think it's worth noting that, that uh, Qatar won the election 14 to 8. So had Platini voted for the U.S., it would have been 13-9, to 9 and Qatar would still be hosting the World Cup.
3: That said, people in U.S. soccer think that Platini controlled more than one vote, uh, and that he, they do blame him for being the guy who swayed the election, who caused the U.S. not to win that.
2: Can't wait to see who the U.S. votes for uh, the next FIFA election. Yeah, I,
0: that that <laughs> seems easy, but it all, it'll look. It, it just proves, again, I mean, there were stories that came out after, after that, that quote-unquote election. That you know the executive committee members, the voters didn't even like read the bid books. Didn't even pay attention to sort of the technical aspects of the bids. And 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 the you know I guess it was Sarkozy telling uh, Platini to vote for Qatar because he had some kind of trade deal uh, with the government there. Again, it's it it never had anything to do with soccer. It was never about the soccer. It was never about the tournament. It was always about the politics and the finances and and all of the sort of the. The geopolitical machinations that make this sort of thing work. No one on the FIFA. Ex- I wouldn't. I bet these guys aren't even soccer fans. They're not even. <laughs> in it, not. They don't even care. So, you know, the, the the U.S. again. I the U.S. entered this contest naively. The U.S. entered this contest without understanding the rules of the game. Without understanding how and why the winning countries would be selected. They, they went in and tried to pitch themselves as a country and a federation that would host a great World Cup in nice stadiums with nice infrastructure, and nobody gave a damn. So this doesn't change my view in a sense that, and again, and, and you're right, credit to Platini for coming out and saying he voted for Qatar, but this doesn't change my view that this was a contest the U.S. never had a chance to win because they were playing by different rules than everybody else, and they should have known that before they spent tens of millions of dollars.
3: I've always agreed with the, the naive notion of, of the U.S. bid, um, which, you know, I think it was probably a clean bid. I think that was part of the problem, why they lost, um, in the sense that they didn't really have a chance. Um, I am looking forward to Michelle Platini coming to New York uh, Released to the U.S., I think to New York uh, as part of the campaign. They announced that this week Prince Ali is also coming to the U.S. I'm told. Let's get so, him on the podcast. Uh, we would love to have those guys on the podcast.
2: I'm sure they're listening, guys. You're welcome. Come, come on down. See our luxurious podcast studio at the Time in Life Building in, in Midtown Manhattan. Um, all right, let's uh, let's turn to to something else that's that's in the news: uh, Concacaf and Common uh, according to some reports, there is a movement to get a Champions League-style competition between the two confederations. Um, Brian, I'll start with you on, on your thoughts on, on the possibility of a potential competitor to UEFA with this magical, huge competition.
0: I want to ride a rocket ship to the moon, you know, so I'm going to go to the press and and tell them to write a story about how I want this. I mean, there, you know, he even admits in the article uh, that he hasn't even spoken to Concacaf yet, MLS, Liga MX, any of these. So th- th- this isn't a movement that's starting from within the confederations. This is a guy who who controls TV rights, who's saying, hey, wouldn't this be cool? Let's do this. And that's the extent of this. And so many people jump on it and say, oh man, you know th- this could happen. This is under discussion. It's not under discussion. Th- th- this is this is one guy who runs who who wants to get rich by selling the TV rights to this tournament he concocted in his head. Um, and, and as, and as Grant mentioned in his, in his mailbag, you should go read that. I love those things. Um, we would need uh, the, 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 flights from the West coast of the U S to cities like Sao Paulo and Buenos Aires are, are 15 to 18 hours. It's not happening. It's a non-starter. Until we have wormholes, this tournament's not happening. A <laughs> couple
3: things I would say here. I, I agree with Brian. I think this is uh, very unlikely. Um, ACL, probably not the best acronym for (laughs) that you want to use. ACL, usually not a positive thing when we see it in the sports media. Um, I think that's... The
2: the America's Champions League is what it would be called. Yes.
3: Um, And then also, too, I mean, this whole push for uh, CONCACAF and North America to be involved with... South America and soccer things, that, that's nothing new. In fact, I remember looking at a, an old back issue of Sports Illustrated from like 1978, a story about the cosmos, talking about how oh, maybe they'll get involved in the Copa Libertadores, but they didn't even spell Libertadores right. Nice job, <laughs> Sports Illustrated. Um, and so this has been around for years and years and years, this idea. And, and we have seen Mexico get involved with Libertadores, and it's been good. For the competition. It's been good for Mexican soccer. I love Copa Libertadores, as does Brian. I know. It's just from a logistical perspective, very hard to imagine teams from Canada and parts of the United States being able to compete midweek all the time with teams in South America. Um, So, and also, too, I mean, like, this is another negative thing coming out of the fiasco around Copa America Centenario is that when people think of this idea to combine the two confederations, now you think of shady stuff. And, you know, so this guy who has media rights comes along Silva and says, I want to do this. And he's not Comma ball or CONCACAF either, you know. And, yes, I guess he signed Paul Tagliabue, the former NFL commissioner, as a consultant. I'd actually love to sit down with Paul Tagliabue and ask him what he knows about this and and. Do you know what Cotton Ball is? Because I don't know if he does.
2: <laughs> yeah, the timing uh, probably couldn't be worse with with Copa America Centenario under the microscope and, and you know happening either in the U.S. or Mexico or, or not at all, or U.S. soccer pulling out and this and that. Um, I yeah, it's 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 a fantasy idea. I can't I can't see it taking off
0: outside of D.C., uh, where where the attendance has been has been terrible. Um, there, there's been a, a real sign, I think, in some other cities. That fans are starting to get a sense of what the champ, Concacaf Champions League is about. They've had some good crowds in, in Seattle and, and Vancouver and Salt Lake. Um, and, and if these changes that they've proposed go through, where, where they they move, shift back to the calendar year um, and they go back to the four team groups uh, that put U.S. and Mexican, uh, I'm sorry, MLS and Mexican teams together in the group stage, um, we might see the Concacaf Champions League, which is not even ten years old, I think, or, or you know. We might see this finally start to get some traction, and and maybe some time from now, uh, this tournament is a bit of a bigger deal, and and, and is more of a carrot for teams, and le- less of a nuisance, more interesting for fans, more prestigious. I mean, that may happen. It's still very young, um, but again, the, the the idea that MLS teams with limited rosters and limited budgets are going to fly halfway across the world because that's how far it is. It's 15, 18 hours that they're going to do this for a midweek game and then fly back and then play a league game on the weekends is the dumbest thing I've ever heard.
2: All right, moving on from that. Uh let's let's close uh with with some news regarding the all-important CONCACAF Cup and talking about uh oddly named competitions. Uh USA and Mexico both have had a, a ton of players in the news um for a bunch of reasons Chicharito scoring his first Bundesliga goal for Bayer Leverkusen Fabian Johnson coming back from injury for the USA and scoring uh for Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, but then some some big injuries for Mexico Grant Andres Guardado Rafael Marquez uh say what you want about Rafael Marquez but he's kind of important to Mexico and and now he's out for this playoff
3: yeah Gordado was the best player for Mexico during the Gold Cup was the player of the tournament uh there might be a tiny chance that he's available. I'm now seeing, but it doesn't seem likely at all. Uh, he got injured during Champions League play for PSV. Uh, if he is out, and it sounds like he probably will be, then that's a big loss for Mexico. And we're starting to see now trends leading up into this game. And maybe this gets into the the old Jurgen dust argument from Brian that Jurgen Klinsmann is the luckiest man alive. Um, but uh, some positives for the U.S. in the injury column. Fabian Johnson back playing, scores a goal in his first game. Now, granted, he did that playing as a left midfielder, and Klinsman wants to play him at right back. Um, but the fact that he's back is is a really big thing for the U.S., which didn't have Johnson or Clint Dempsey for those games last month. Um, and Rafa Marquez, we like to laugh about Rafa and say, oh, you know, he was terrible in MLS, and he was, But he's really important, just like you said, Avi, to to Mexico's national team. Uh, And that's a loss uh, for them as well. So um, I still look and I see Mexico had seven players playing in Champions League group stage on match day one. The U.S. had zero and will only have one, Fabian Johnson, when he's healthy now. Um, And that's a concern as well.
2: Ryan, do you think this this tips the scales at all? Any any of the recent happenings? Uh, I mean, Mexico. Look, if Guardado and Marquez are both officially out, their provisional roster is now down to thirty. Uh, I,
0: do wonder, I do wonder if the U.S. wants Rafa to play because he's just as likely to do something insane that helps the Americans as as you know <laughs> something that helps Mexico. But yeah, no. I like Grant said Guardado was the was the uh, you know stirred the drink during the during the Gold Cup. Um, he, he's tough to track. Uh, he's very creative um you know he's a he he's a weapon um and but no i mean i mexico still has a lot of talent and and this is still going to come down to the us i mean i know this is not the, the team that jürgen has wanted to build but for 90 minutes on october 10th this is going to have to be classic grit you know classic american uh you know getting stuck in and 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 countering and taking your chances and staying you know keeping your shape and staying composed and and all of the things in the past that have helped this team draw level with Mexico uh, over the course of, of time um, because, you know, they, they, they play smart, they don't make mistakes, uh, and, and they take chances when they present themselves. And that's how the U.S. is going to have to win this game. And, and Jurgen is going to have to, you know, you know, pull in the reins a little bit on, on the idealism and, and on the team that he wants to build. Uh, and for 90 minutes, play to win. Play to win the game in front of him. Uh, and that will be the difference.
2: Maybe Herm Edwards will, will give the, the pregame pep talk. You play to win the game.
0: He, he's had stranger pep talks. so <laughs> He's had weirder guests come in, so that would be, that would be very appropriate.
2: <laughs> cool. Uh, well, thanks, guys. I think that'll probably wrap it up for us uh, this week. I want to thank Shabby Alonso again for, for taking the time uh, to talk with us. Uh, for Grant Wall, Brian Strauss, our producer, Alex Abnos. I'm Avi Creditor. Uh, We'll talk to you guys next week. We'll have uh, a U.S. Open Cup champion to talk about, uh, so keep an eye out for that next Wednesday, Sporting Kansas City versus Philadelphia Union. Uh, And that'll do it for us on the Planet Football Podcast.
0: Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.